0: Welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you for being here. Before we listen to my next guest, I want to ask that if you like the podcast, please subscribe to the channel and leave a positive review so we can grow this channel. I've been working really hard for you guys to grow by putting systems in place that bring on guests who are very valuable to you. And I'm just going to be honest, it hasn't been an easy ride. So I would certainly appreciate your support. Also, let me know your thoughts by texting me at 714-294-0269. Again, 714-294-0269. Last time, 714-294-0269 to ask about details and to receive future podcasts directly to your cell phone. Let's continue with the podcast. All right. So I'm here with Brian. And uh, so Brian Owens, Ansel, am I pronouncing it right? Ansel?
1: Yes okay be and the analytic solutions now it's just ansol
0: got it got it and and you provide uh, uh consulting in the defense uh arena in uh, the army navy uh, air force
1: yeah well we yes we're what's called uh, engineering services yeah uh, and uh or professional services some people call it like a uh, program management financial management engineering systems engineering um, logistics, all those kinds of things we mostly work with the Navy, but we just started uh, in t- doing some small work with the Air Force, and that seems to be growing so that 'd be good
0: absolutely okay and and how did you start this company let 's start from like the very beginning um, you You obviously want to grow, but what gave you the idea to start this company and and uh, were you always in business or did you work in the corporate field before? How did you? Well, uh, where, were, where were your it, initial beginnings?
1: I've been in this business for 30 years. Um, so, I mean, if you go all the way back, I was working construction, and I met a. Uh, I was in Washington D.C., and I was working working work construction, and a uh, friend from West. I'm from West Virginia, and and a friend from West Virginia wanted me to uh, uh, his her. Son was living in the d c area and wanted to meet people from West Virginia, so I went and had lunch with him and he said his company was hiring, so I submitted a resume, got an interview, got the job um, spent six years in that first company. Uh, we lost our contract, went out uh, to the other vendor three years later they uh, My old company and my new company made up and t- bid the the uh, division. Uh, RFP together, and then at the same time, Spayware was moving out here as part of BRAC 95. So they laid me off, and it uh, and it pissed off my customers. And um, to if I can say that, um, and they told me they came. This is the first time they ever did anything like this. Came to me and said, Brian, do whatever you want to do. We'll support whatever you want because I was the main guy. I was the main support person in there and the main financial guy. And so I went out on my own with another lady. And then three years later, um, we lost our work because of some decisions the Navy made, not because of performance or anything. And so I went out on my own totally. And that was around 97. And I've been out on my own ever since.
0: Nice. And, uh, and so was that a difficult decision to make, to go out, go out on your own? Or were you just, like, tired of getting laid off? or? Like what was
1: the motivation? Honestly, it was the way to stay motivated uh, in some sense. In the other sense, it was the way to make more money. I never felt, I always felt that I, for as hard as I was working, I never was adequately compensated for what I was doing. And so I came in as a junior uh, uh, analyst, but from the day I started, I was doing senior analyst work. And so I never really felt I was compensated. I understand why now, because being a business owner and and where we are in our market and what you have to do with contracts. But And at the same time, all my friends and my brother, they were all starting their own companies in the D.C. area, and I felt left out. (laughs) So I was like, shouldn't I be doing something (laughs) more than, you know? And so it was a good uh, time. But I tell you, it was tough because... I moved to San Diego and I didn't take a paycheck for seven months, you
0: know? Whoa.
1: So when you're only making, you know, 20 to $30,000 a year, that's pretty tough to do. Yeah. You
0: know? Wow. So how did you survive during those times? Like, how did you support yourself?
1: Well, I was, fortunately I was a good saver. And then I was a matter of de- defining which bills to pay, which ones not to pay, you know, and then learning. Um, once I, once the, um uh, and I had a house in Maryland, I still have the house in Maryland. So I was still having to make my house payments, all my everything. So it you just don't do a lot. You don't spend a lot of money, you know. Uh during that time, I used all my savings. I used everything that I could scrape up.
0: Yeah. Do you still have that? do you still have that mindset today with your with your business?
1: Yes. Yes, we're very uh 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 conservative financially. So we have no issues financially.
0: Got it, got it. Cool. And uh okay, so you were able to support yourself. You didn't take a paycheck for 6-7 months. Um and but during that time you you made it through. You you made it happen. Um and then and then after that 7 months you started taking a paycheck or like what 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 caused that if if, if you should. "Yeah,
1: I started thinking, well, the issue the 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 issue was Honestly, I worked for free for several months, which technically you're not allowed to do. Um, so, and while the contract to, to do business with the um, with the government, you have to have a contract vehicle. So they, you have to be under contract, or you have to be a either a prime or a subcontractor. Uh, and so during that time, most of that seven months was trying to figure out how to get under contract. Yeah, you because know, I couldn't even take a paycheck. it wasn't like a I wasn't, uh, like I was going to get back pay. There was no back pay. There was just no pay at all. So I worked essentially seven months for free, you know, um, while I worked to learn the business and set this up. Uh, and then I, I teamed with SAF. My first contract was with subcontract was with SAIC and it was a big, um, what they call multiple award or, uh, IDIQ type contract. And the, uh, and so once I got on contract and got accepted and, and the paperwork went through and we started getting uh, paid, and then we start, I started growing from there. And then we were actually growing pretty good, and then decisions were made by um, some government people, captains in particular, that he wanted our work to be given to Booz Allen uh, under the, there was two main contractors, a big Booz Allen contract and a big SCIC contract. And so they moved, they were going to give our financial work that we had to Booz Allen under their contract with the expectations that we would go all go work for Booz Allen. And we said, no. And we walked out. And, uh, and then I, that's when I, I was kind of forced to start over again. I, so I started over on my own, uh, that time.
0: So so what, just so we're clear, like what exactly were you doing for the government in the defense and space arena?
1: At that time I was doing financial management. I was the, I, when we moved out here, I was the act, actually the acting business financial manager, which was a government position because there, it was in disarray. You know, I mean, if you think about when we were in Crystal City, Virginia, uh, next to the Pentagon, we had probably a thousand government employees. And probably two to one at least contractors. There was 118, I think, that government people moved out here. And in the division I was in, the submarine communications division, there was only one government employee that came. Actually, two government employees came, and one contractor, and that contractor was me. Everybody else was new, uh, so nobody knew how to do anything. You know, so we had to start over. So it was it was a lot of long hard work. And I was one of the last to move out here because the uh we had all the budgets I did all the budgets and the the palming the program of memorandum budgeting for future. I did all that because i would, there was nobody else left to do it, and I was the only one that knew enough to do it, so I stayed in d c for a long time defending the budgets and stuff. And then when we moved out here, trying to get everything moving. So I had taken over the financial areas, uh, what they call the tea shop or the financial shops and, and the budgeting and the palming, which is all the future stuff. So wow. it was, it was a lot of work, <laughs> you know, Yeah, I could, definitely. I could at least once a month, I spent 24 hours at my desk.
0: Wow. Um, And you were helping with budgeting and financial analyses and things like that? Yeah, and then a little bit of uh, systems engineering at the time. Systems engineering. Are you more focused on systems engineering and and financial analysis, or what what are you most focused on right now?
1: Now, uh, more systems engineering, what we call integration planning or modernization planning. Got it. Okay. So so everything that all my experience historically – and I used to – before I did the financial stuff, I used to do a lot of, uh, I go in the, in the manufacturing plants and evaluate where they were on in the, on our government contracts and, and whether they were going to make the deliveries or not. So everything I did in the past had a focus of getting the products from the vendors to the, to the submarines on time in order to make the availabilities that we were intending to install it on. So all that experience, plus the, the budgeting and the and the financial management piece all uh, came together as a, uh, later on in a a process called advanced planning that I created for the submarine force. And then in 2005, we were hired to implement that process for the rest of the Navy, or at least the the, the rest of PEO C4I. So they stood up carriers, large decks, uh, Service ships, shore sites, to do the same process that we were doing under the submarines because we were doing a a very good job at the integration and the integration planning or modernization planning. So that was uh, that was a big achievement to take a process that you've created from scratch and implement it across. And we did that for all the way through June of 14, 2014. So from 2005 to June of 2014. Around 11 years, uh, impl- getting this process implemented, it's still in a, in practice today. But since then, uh, we lost our that contract. We got way underbid at a time they were uh, uh, cost realism wasn't what it should be. You know, they were a lot of companies were buying into these contracts. Got it. Uh, and so we lost that contract, and we kind of gone out and reinvented ourselves again. And so we mostly focus on the integration planning, which is the, prior to advanced planning, is kind of focused on on putting the stuff that's procured into the ships or submarines in an availability when the ship comes in for maintenance or whatever. What I'm focused on more now is engineering the capabilities. So if you gotta bring 10 things together to make a capability work, then those things uh, gotta come at the right time. They gotta be designed, engineered, tested, and fielded Mm -hmm. together. So all that planning uh, is what we do today. And that requires a lot of different disciplines. You gotta understand systems engineering, you gotta understand all the other uh, processes that you have to go through to get there, like the installation process, the procurement process, the financial process, the budgeting. So you have to understand all that in order to get a product from concept to, to
0: submarine or to ship. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And, uh, so can you give me an example of like, uh, of you helping, uh, the, the Navy through, uh, th- that process? Can you, so, so that they procure, you know, certain, um, uh, whatever. So, what is the what is the uh, the thing that they're pr- the I'll answer.
1: give you a simple example that I normally and tell me if this is adequate. But uh, it, it, in the layman's kind of analogy, if you you have a conference room, right? So you have yeah. a conference room that has tables, that has chairs, has a whiteboard, yeah. has a projector, um, the and a phone, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Everything in the Navy, every one of those items I just mentioned is bought independently of each other. Right. Uh, and they're in the, their own program. So one thing might take, the table might take a year to build. The chairs might take, uh, you know, a year and a half. You know, maybe the the projector takes six months. Um, the And so you have to figure out what all those timelines and procurement cycles are and, and when everything's going to get put on contract. you got you got to get it all to show up at the same time now if you have a table you can all stand around the table and have your meeting or if you have chairs you can all sit in the chairs but in order to have a really a fully functioning uh conference room you have to have it all there at one time all there at the same time
0: how are you getting these uh so how are you getting these government contracts that seems a difficult process
1: well in the the advanced planning one was created specifically around our concept, and so we won the first two con. Two, and honestly, I don't know how we lost it because no one had ever done it other than us. So it is kind of a. To, I don't know. I'll reserve my comments. Uh, but the, uh, um, you you there's RFPs that they bid that they put out that the of things they're interested in, and <laughs> bid on those. Some of them are more technical. Some of them are more admin. Some are more program management. Uh, some are just financial, you know, financial management. Some are engineering. So you got to figure out what lane you want to be in, you know, and we don't try to be all things to all people. We tried to stay true to our niche and in our interest areas. The thing, the, the thing about us is that we're a small company and we're small for on purpose where most companies want to grow to, you know, two, 400,000 people, you know, we're 22 employees and we, you know, we don't, we want to stay under 50. We've been as high as 40. The, uh, uh, the reason is I Got like the
0: Okay. And, and so sorry, you broke up there a little bit. The reason is what?
1: I said, I like the small feel of a, of a company and I like to, I'm still engaged with the clients. So Sometimes I like to direct work. And so I'm not, that interested in, you know, just grow, 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 grow. Uh, but it's there if you want. If you're not growing, you're dying is a saying in our industry. So if you're um, – so you have to continue to grow. The question is, how do you grow? What's nice about us is we are, like, problem solvers. So we go in, and the clients know us. They want us. You know, we're not bidding on something and winning something that the clients don't want. So we go in, they know our capabilities, they want us to be there. So it's a nice to, nice to work with people that want you there, you know, versus you're there because you just – you beat somebody else and you want a contract that they didn't want the, the prime to lose, you know. So
0: yeah, – totally. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, okay, so like how we're – I'm still – I'm still curious as to how you were able to get like government contracts. I know it's, it's, you know, you could, you can refrain from like sharing, you know, this, but, uh, (laughs) but uh, if you want, Um, but like it seems like it was quite a process and then some, some factors that go into them working with you were arbitrary, it seems like, Um, but what do you mean? Because, because based on what you said, you know, there was reasons that you didn't get it and and you were like the first and you're the only person doing a particular uh, task and you didn't get that um, contract. So sometimes these things don't make sense. Like I I know in more complex sales, like there's just so many factors It's probably doing like uh, you know, business to government or B2B sales is more difficult than any other type of sale. Because it's just, there's so much complexity behind, you know, what's what what's needed to, to get this accomplished. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel like there's just a lot of decision makers, there's a lot of people that have these arbitrary reasons for not working with you. Maybe they have relationships with other people. I don't know. but
1: That's true. I mean, that's the reason why we lost our contract. It was yep. engineered by a particular person that wanted another company to win, even though they had never done the work or didn't know how to do the work. Yeah. And and they let them. There's a thing called key people on the contract, for an example, that that are supposed to be driving that contract. They didn't provide a single key person, even though they said they would in the proposal. So it was a total sham. uh, The proposal, and you're going to get that a lot. And that's the you know in this business, it's really not. It's not. I will say there. There's always. I'll say this with a grain of salt that. Most of the time it's up and up but there's other times where it's predetermined who's gonna win it. It's just a matter of going through the mechanics. Yeah, and so when you when you're evaluating a an effort, that's how we on our side of the of the fence now the government won't won't agree won't won't agree with me on that. But most of the vendors like us, we look at it and we'll say, There's no way they're gonna lose, this company's gonna lose. They've had a contract for twenty years or whatever. Yeah, and it, when, and it's a lot of times it's focused around who's in the government and who the customer is. Yeah, and you can go in and talk to these customers. You can shape a particular proposal. You can advertise. And we don't do a lot of that because it's, yeah, you know, I don't, some of this is predetermined. So you, you got to spend time where you think you're, you're going to have benefit, you know? so but you're not bidding you're never going to win right so you there's a there's a piece that says even as cynical as you might get you still have to bid if you want to, if you expect to win so there's there's two really kind of aspects of this business uh, from a sales perspective most of it's bidding other times the, there is a portion of sales that you can make uh, and that's talking with clients and figuring out what their needs are and if if no one's meeting their needs then they may be willing to come to you if you can figure out how they can get to you. you know, if you're on, a, say, another contract, for example. So, we, we, we took a tack several years ago to uh, get on as many contract vehicles as we can, whether we're priming them or subbing them. So, we're on a lot of different contracts now, with, and you make a lot of relationships with a lot of different companies in order to do that. So, there's very few companies that have 100% of the capability. On any of these contracts, so they put a team together to to cover all the needs. And so, if you're a new vendor, you got to figure out what you're good at and what your selling point is, and why they why they would want you on the team. Yeah. You know, so, if, and then if you get on the team, then that's kind of where you start from there.
0: Absolutely. Um, interesting. Uh, so, okay. So, when did you see your initial like when did you see the initial stages of success and where did you go from there? Like, so where where was that glimmer of hope of of like, okay, now we're seeing some traction here. And then you started growing a little bit, maybe faster, maybe not like exponentially fast, but you were still- Well,
1: I don't know that we're a good example um, because we've never really grown to like some companies want to grow. We've had the capability to do it. We just never did it. I would say that the measure of success for me was when we won our first prime contract. Uh, that's kind of uh, probably a measurement for everybody. Uh, and then uh, then when we won our second one, we won our third one, and then those are all validations that you're kind of a real company. You know, you you can handle, uh, you can bid, you can win, and you can execute uh with, with, you know, cause it takes a lot of financial management talent in order to, and auditing and counting, um, experience to get through these contracts. Got uh, it. When the Got contract's it. over, it's just the, a lot of the work is just starting cause now you're doing audits and things to close out those contracts.
0: hundred percent. Um, did you, did you, have you ever thought about getting investors? No. Never. Oh, okay.
1: Uh, my, uh, my uh i mean i've i've been, i've talked to people who wanted to do this, but uh I never needed to i mean we were always financially sound you know and so um the my accountant, my very first accountant told me never the partner and never have uh never give up ownership so and just from a ease of operating standpoint um, he, said, he said you can give profits you can share the profit but don't share ownership and I never did, and it's probably cost me some in growing um but it's it's I sleep better at night
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what would you be opposed to investors though like what, what what do you think that would it would take away from you if you were to investors
1: I don't it depends on what they want to invest. I mean, I don't, I don't have a, uh, a need for an investor. I mean, if they want, I don't know. I mean, you tell me. How, why would I need investors? In what way would the investors? How would I use an investor? Put it that way.
0: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, if you wanted to scale, but you, that's not. That doesn't seem like that's that's something that you want to do. So. Well,
1: I mean, I have money to scale if I want to scale. I
0: mean,
1: companies, we're, we're pretty, you know, we're good and we don't have no debt or anything. So,
0: um,
1: we have lines of credit and, you know, if we want to grow, we have the money there to do it. We don't really need the investors. Um, if I, the only time I would potentially need investors, if I wanted to start, there's two ways to grow in this business. One is, is the organic way is to continue to bid and grow that way. The other is to buy companies. Uh, If I were going to buy companies, then I might need investors to do that.
0: Mm, Okay. Gotcha. All right. It makes sense. Um, And uh, do you think there's like common traits among people in your industry, like that, that work in your same field? Like what are the common traits of the people that work in in your industry? Um, And another question I wanted to ask after this is uh, kind of based on the government, but, tell me uh what are common,
1: some uh common traits is a uh um uh, you talking about the industry or the owners of the industry
0: yeah the the the, the owners yeah what are like common traits of like owners in, in your industry
1: uh most of them are subject matter experts in some way of, a, of the process or knowledge a lot of small businesses grow because they're they're a s- subject matter expert in a particular area and they they grow that and then they start wanting to grow more. Um, I think it's a, uh, for most people, it's a, uh, I guess it's the challenge of, of uh, success, you know, mm-hmm. to see how far they can take it.
0: All right. Yeah, business is definitely difficult. Um, so, all right. So, um, regarding the government, would you have to go through like background checks and stuff like that?
1: Uh, depending on your clearance level if you need a clearance yes
0: gotcha okay cool um all right man well if there's somebody listening to this podcast that you probably wanna get a hold of how how would you um how would they get a hold of you through email
1: uh emails probably the best i mean you can go to our website uh, www.ansolinc.com, and there's a contact us on there or you can uh probably just google me and uh you can find my numbers Shows up in all the Googles. So awesome. it's uh, you know, 619-523-2040, extension 101.
0: Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you for doing this podcast. I look forward Thanks. to seeing again soon.